for this morning comes to us from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and then skipping down to verses 18 through 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. <clears throat> that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. <clears throat> Won't you join me now, please, in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, we thank you for always and liberally scattering the seed of your word into our hearts, our lives, and this world. We ask now only that you would till up the soil of our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our lives that the seed of your word may find a good home, that it may grow there, that we may bear fruit in our lives, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. Remove any hindrances, any impediments to anything that would cause your seed not to sprout forth and grow. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for first loving us. All this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My sermon text for today is Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. My sermon title for this morning is, The Apple Doesn't Fall Far from the Tree. The Apple Doesn't Fall Far from the Tree. Matthew's Gospel is largely considered a manual of Christian teaching, being the most obviously Jewish of the four Gospels, in imitation of the five books of the Torah, or Pentateuch of Moses, 
namely Genesis through Deuteronomy, Matthew, likewise, is organized around five great discourses or teachings of Jesus. Chapters 5 through 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. Chapter 10 is on discipleship. Chapter 13 here is on parables. Chapter 18 is on discipleship again. And chapters 24 through 25 are the end of the age. Today's chapter then finds a smack dab in the middle of Matthew, the Bible's great and famous chapter on the parables of the kingdom of God, what Matthew calls the kingdom of heaven. A very close parallel text to this is Mark chapter 4. Though other parables of Jesus are scattered here and there throughout the four Gospels, the largest numbers are concentrated here in Matthew 13 and in Mark 4. A parable is a story, a metaphor, an illustration, normally very simple, having a much deeper spiritual meaning or point. As opposed to a literal way of explaining things, a parable is a metaphorical or allegorical way of explanation. The kingdom of heaven is like this, or the kingdom of heaven is like that. Jesus used this cryptic method of teaching about God's kingdom so often. Verse 34 here in this chapter says, All this Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. Both Matthew 13 and Mark 4 begin their section on parables with what one author has deemed the watershed of the parables, meaning the most important of them, the first in order, and the longest, this parable of the sower we have before us today. Following the main and central parable of Jesus, you have smaller parables in length of the weeds and the wheat, the mustard seed, the leaven, treasure hidden in a field, the pearl of great price, and have a great net thrown into the sea. The first nine verses herein are the parable itself, while verses 18 through 23 are Jesus' private explanation of it to his disciples. The sower in this parable is taken to be God, or perhaps Jesus Christ himself. The seed is the word of God. The four different kinds of soil or ground represent the four different kinds or types of human reactions to the seed of God's word. As you look at Jesus' explanation in verses 18 through 23, where would you put yourself in this scenario? Where might you put most others you know? One interesting preliminary fact is that all four scenarios involve people hearing or receiving the word of God. In no scenario does someone not hear God's word and have the opportunity to respond. Verse 19, concerning the path, involves those who hear the word but do not understand it, such that the evil one, the devil, snatches away what is sown in the heart. Verse 20, concerning the rocky ground, involves those who hear the word but having no root, they fall away when trouble or persecution arises. Verse 22, concerning thorns, involves those who hear the word but the cares of this world and the lure of wealth choke it out. While verse 23 concerning good soil involves those who hear the word and understand it bearing various levels of fruit. I once heard a preacher remark that the first three options herein could be termed a hard life, a shallow life, and a crowded life. 
Anyone in here consider yourself as having had a hard life? Things have happened to you, unforeseen things. Things over which you had no control or input. Things which, though maybe brief in time, have had consequences for years. Indeed, the rest of your life. Things with which you have never really known how to deal. There are things in your life that you don't understand. Among them, the Word of God. So that whenever that particular Word is implanted, or indeed any other potentially positive occurrence happens, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in your heart. Anyone ever had or currently have a shallow life? Giving priority to things never meant to have priority? Time spent making money to spend on possessions which are considered old, out of date, antiquated within five years anyway. And things you can't take with you when you die regardless. You place possessions over people, comfort over calling, self over service, money over relationships, pleasure over sacrifice, flashy appearance over depth and substance. You're not so far gone that the Word of God doesn't give you joy, but because you are not truly rooted to any degree, your endurance and faithfulness is but brief. And when persecution or trouble arise on account of the Word, meaning the Word challenges your complacent self-orientation, you immediately fall away. Anyone ever had or currently have a crowded life? Overbooked and overscheduled, have to fit in a thousand and one things, too many responsibilities for too many people and too many things, such that there's no center, no peace, only anger, burnout, resentment, and bitterness. So the word of God is heard, but it is choked out by the cares of this world and the lure of wealth. And so it, quote unquote, yields nothing. I suspect if we're being honest, our lives are not so much hard or shallow or crowded as some inveterate amalgamation of all three. Just as we are often not as aware of our brokenness and shortcomings as we could be and should be, we are also often not as aware of our openness, availability, and powerful usage by God as we could be and should be. And so just as it is profitable to confront and confess our hard, rocky, and thorny lives and tendencies, it is similarly profitable to acknowledge, recognize, and even celebrate our good soil, that healthy and productive soil we do possess. Verse 23, but as for what was sown on good soil, that is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold and another sixty and yet in another thirty. You have components of your life, my friends, and elements of your soil that are better, healthier, more tilled and compliant than you might think. For you could be anywhere else right now, doing anything else you might desire to do, but you have come to worship. Though discouraged and disheartened, you have come to be picked up, embraced, and inspired. 
You have come to pray and to sing. You have come to experience the fellowship of like-minded believers. You have come to hear a word from the Lord. And that in and of itself is no small thing. You have been called to be here today, and you came. While most of the population is engaged in rocks and thorns right now, at this very hour, you are taking a time out from that. You are being countercultural right now, not going along with the norms of society. And you are being, whether you are aware of it consciously or not, transformed, which is the will of God for you. Your soil is good right now. In measure because you are allowing it to be tilled, to be dug up and chopped up, to be challenged and convicted in order that the seed might find a home and begin to bear and yield fruit. And since that is happening, even though it might be occurring slowly and incrementally, it is not happening on a small scale. Meaning you are not bearing fruit and yielding twofold, threefold, fourfold. No, the text says when this yielding occurs, it occurs 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. That means 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was initially planted. As we all know from nature, a seed is so small compared to what it yields. Seeds are so tiny, and yet the trees, bushes, plants, fruits, and vegetables that they produce are much larger, many times larger than what you would imagine. And so it is supernaturally that God's Word has an inordinate effect on your life. The Word that is sown in the good soil of your life will not be minimally impactful, but staggeringly consequential. If it is overlooked or ignored in the eyes of others or even your own eyes, it is not so in the eyes of God, the angels, and the very heavens themselves. What is sown today may be small, overlooked, and suddenly and innocently planted, but in a rather swift period of time, it will bear forth and yield 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what was planted. When St. Paul refers to the fruit of the Spirit later on in Galatians 5, he defines it as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Just imagine in a few weeks from now being 30 times more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, kinder, more generous, more faithful, more gentle, and more controlled. Just imagine after months of worship and hearing God's word, months of praying, singing, and fellowship with these saints being 60 times more loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, generous, faithful, gentle, and in self-control. Just imagine after a couple years, after a steady diet of God's word, after the continued tilling of the soil in your life, being 100 times more loving and joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, generous, faithful, gentle, and in control. Just imagine the consequences for yourself and for everyone around you, your parents and grandparents, your siblings and children, co-workers and colleagues, your significant other. That increase will permeate your immediate surroundings, your immediate context to such a degree that your personal transformation will have an impact farther and wider than you can possibly imagine. 
I believe justice will begin to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I believe the sick will begin to be healed, lepers cleansed, demons cast out, and the dead raised. I believe the hungry will begin to be fed, the stranger welcomed, the naked clothed, the sick and in prison visited, and widows and orphans provided for. I believe that the mountains and hills will begin to be lowered, valleys will be raised up, crooked places shall be made straight, and rough places shall begin to be made smooth. I believe that the poor will begin to hear the good news, the captives to be released, the oppressed set at liberty, the eyes of the blind open, the ears of the deaf unstopped, the lame made to leap, and the acceptable year of our Lord proclaimed. And I believe it will happen 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold because of the good soil that is your life. And you know what the best news of all is, my friends? The text is not most fundamentally about us. It is not most fundamentally about the soil. Not even most fundamentally about the seed, in a sense. As Pastor Joanne Lee wrote in the Christian Century Periodical, this parable is not known as the parable of the soil or the parable of the seed, even though much time and attention is devoted to both herein. No, Jesus himself entitles it in verse 18, the parable of the sower. And the parable is most fundamentally about the sower, about God or Jesus and about his nature. And so what's the relevance of that? The sower is irresponsible, wasteful, foolishly extravagant in our human estimation. Meaning he does not wisely and shrewdly sow seed on only good soil. Certainly to do that, he would have a much better yield, much better productivity, more return on his investment. What kind of sower or farmer or gardener just scatters seed far and wide indiscriminately without regard for the merit of the soil upon which it falls? This sower should not be so wasteful, careless, cavalier, lavish, and reckless. He should maximize his own desired outcome by scattering seed only on killed up, rockless, thornless, thistleless, soft, receptive, moist soil. But he doesn't. He throws it wherever he pleases. He throws it on the path, on rocky soil, on thorny soil, and good soil. He throws it on hard lives, shallow lives, crowded lives, and receptive lives. He throws it on soil bad and good, on deserving lives and undeserving lives, on meritorious lives and unmeritorious lives, on hard hearts and compassionate hearts, where it's going to do some good and where it's not going to do any good at all. The seed of his holy, gracious, loving, forgiving, transforming, equipping word is scattered everywhere at all times and in all places. And that includes you on your good days and on your bad days, when you are self-centered and when you are generous, when you are open and when you are closed off and shut down, when you feel alive and joyful and when you feel down and out, when you are happy or sad or angry or upset or hopeful, he keeps on scattering, keeps on sowing, regardless of whether you are worth it or not. And he keeps on scattering and sowing on others whether they are worth it or not. Because that's his nature. That's his character. 
That's who he is. And that's who he has made and called and is transforming us to be. I guess you could say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. What an apple. What an apple you are. And what a tree. What a tree he is. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree.